And it is 9.33. Joining me now is my friend Barb Lampson, who says the pollen count is very high and she's sneezing away through experience. (laughs) Right, right. Oh my goodness, you can tell that (laughs) when the pollen's high and beautiful out though. Right. Oh, Karen, listen, the whole week has been just absolutely beautiful. I loved it. It's been great to work outside. And the nicest thing happened on Wednesday. You and I were together in the afternoon. And in our gardens. In our gardens. And you were the camera woman. And we made a video for KTV. That's right. KTV, for those of you who don't know, is the local uh, cable community of television station and they're housed at the Bethany Lutheran College but KTV is a community run uh, operation and they do a number of videos for the Master Gardeners each year and we provide the content and they help with the production and so that's what we got to do and uh, Kurt I think his name is Schrader came out with his camera and then he normally has students who help him but he didn't have any so he said well does any of you know how to run a camera I said uh well, I used to be on Channel 12, and I used to run a camera, but it was a VHS big camera, so he gave me a little quick lesson, and hopefully I didn't goof it up. And then I was so fortunate, I got to tape Barb Lampson and Dave Lampson showing some things off, and I'll let you tell what you talked about. Well, <clears throat> what we did talk about was um, our rain barrels, which, you know, here's the thing. Everybody can do something to uh, to help the environment along and to provide water and clean air for future generations. And I said to my husband, you know, someday our grandkids are going to say, I wonder what grandpa and grandma <laughs> did when we were hearing all about this climate change. And I said, they can, there is one thing we can talk about, which is rain barrels. And we have six of them. And that represents... Um, 240 gallons of water. And now here's the thing, Barb, your husband Dave is Mr. Engineer, backyard engineer. He can put together, make anything, do anything. And so you are lucky because he did a lot of yours and you guys talked about that and had him show how he did some of these fancy contraptions where you have a couple hooked together so you can get more water in uh, barrels. Yeah, exactly. And then with the overflows on them, directing the overflow after you're like, if you have two hooked up, you, you collect 80 gallons of rainwater, and then you have an overflow. And, and you take that hose and you put that out where you've got some thirsty trees and direct it over there. And so everything, you're kind of managing the water that comes, you know, comes down and comes into your yard. So you don't have to let, have to let it uh, pool in one area, or it doesn't project. rush down the the storm drains, which right. is bad because when it goes right. rushes down storm drains, it picks up fertilizer, it picks up dirt, dog dew. I mean, all sorts of things, and then yes. that goes down into our rivers and streams. So if you can do anything to use it and right. stop it before it gets there, that's such a positive thing. And so this video that we made, we also came out to my house because right. I've got rain barrels, and I <clears> talked <throat> about mine because the county. Uh, offers through the uh, the recycling program in the spring they will be offering these rain barrels like I have for a reduced cost right. and you can be a part of like Barb says uh, preserving our environment for future yeah exactly so so we did that whole thing the one thing I wish I would have said was you know it's one thing to have rain barrels it's another thing to be of the mindset that you're going to use them oh if yes you always grabbed a hose and you ran out and you watered or you ran out and you filled your bird bath you have to break yourself of that habit and now I think you know somebody said to me you have such nice potted plants and things grow so well yes I've got the same thing yeah and 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 
And they said, what do you do different? I said, well, I don't use cold water. I don't turn on the faucet and give them the city water, which has the fluoride and the chlorine Mm -hmm. in it. And this is just consistently what they get. And, you know, um, the water, when it comes out of the rain barrel, it's warm. I mean, it's It's, it's whatever whatever the the temperature is, you know. Yeah, so it doesn't shock the the roots and the system, and it's nice. It's naturally soft. Right. And it's just wonderful. Yeah, the only thing is that because it goes off your roof, it can pick up things like bird poop or, you know, some asphalt or the stuff on your roof. And then, so you don't want to give it to your produce that you eat no. because you you know no. so i just do i mean but you and i of course we've got shrubs and flowers and things and oh yeah trees yeah. yeah exactly and all these potted plants and actually when it comes now the fall when i'm going to wash uh the clay pots and the plastic pots that i've used during the summer i use the same water for too. that and then i spread that water that's got soil in it back on the garden mm-hmm. so everything you know you keep recycling it and reusing it so we also did our ponds we did your pond and we did my pond right because barb's (laughs) husband dave constructed a smaller pond he dug and dug what 20 to 30 loads of wheelbarrows full of soil soil to make this beautiful pond barb i was impressed dave you did a great job hey dave there you go and uh i was impressed too and you know he was doing this in in august when we had all that heat and we had the air conditioner going on in the house and then when it stopped being so hot we got rain so it was kind of a stop start (laughs) thing you know and when dave's on a project he likes to totally finish up one project get her done yeah get her done and and get on to the next project so and and we were fortunate we we put it where there had been an existing pond a little one we had before that had a preformed liner this one has a membrane and i really think this is the way to go because this membrane has a 20-year warranty on it so you put it in there and it should last providing that you follow the instructions we've got padding underneath this membrane which is old carpeting and so that the any that she recycled from a neighbor who had to take it out because their basement got flooded and it's new and it's, it happens to be new carpeting yeah mm-hmm. exactly and also if you have to use like rubber boots if you go in to clean like in this in the spring we have a skimmer pump and we set that down and David also designed it so that at one end it's two feet deep the pond slopes that way so it's easy to get all that water out then and any debris that's in there and then he put a ledge in there so that I can set uh, pots which I'll have to use plastic pots uh, on with plants in them and and, and of course the <coughs> thing with the plants is there are many plants that you can use that are beautiful for water plants yes. and like I have the koi fish and the plants the roots are able to filter on and take up the nutrients that the fish leave as waste so yes. then your pond doesn't get all that that muck and the the right. stringy algae and so when Kirk came over to my house and saw my pond of course mine was commercially installed because they had to take out 20 truckloads not just 20 <laughs> wheelbarrow loads 20 truckloads yeah. of soil <laughs> to to build it and then I've got this waterfall that goes up about five feet because it was on a slope so it worked perfectly within the landscape and I know Kurt was pretty impressed to, to see that, that, you know, you can do something like this yes. in a yard. And I did talk about that it can be very expensive because to put it in for one thing and then maintenance every year. Yours is smaller. Maybe you won't have to, but mine's big enough that I hire the, the pond company to come in in the spring and I have to pay them. They, they um, pressure wash it out and they, they kind of readjust the liner if it's, you know, because sure. I've got that big liner. Mine is going on 
15 years old. Right. So I've started to have some problems with, uh, you know, the liner slipping a little and some water going under. So uh, I think this year I spent over $1,500 on maintenance. Yeah. So right away there wasn't much except no. the installation cost. So that's something I, I want to say you will have to yes be willing to put time and maintenance and if you don't want that then a pond is not for you i, I yeah, tried to emphasize you get that. a smaller pond like we've got right yeah and you can do it yourself and here's the thing uh we have two hundred dollars into this pond the majority of it is for the membrane <laughs> i've got a lot more than that yeah and and the pump for recir- uh recirculating sure. the water in there and in the spring we'll just we'll just maintain this ourselves it'll it'll you know it's just, as long as you've got a skimmer pump something that and and we'll pump that water back onto the garden too. and you have to have special filters too because <laughs> yep, um, we in, change that it, yep. yep you change your filters because <clears> that <throat> actually uh, the filters actually host good bacteria beneficial bacteria that break down some of that mucky stuff sure. and I've got of course what's called the biofalls because I have a, a waterfall and the, that has special uh, lava rock in it and that lava rock of course has lots of surface area which is good for all that beneficial bacteria to be on to to break down the the, uh, waste and that sort of thing so it's really you are really hosting your own ecosystem and you know when I first started I was talking about this in the video I my pond was full of string algae that just gross green it looks just like a slurry but then I took some learning on my part once I figured out that if I put pond plants in see I just had just a few um, what do they call those? Water levels. No, well, there was the reeds. Hyacinth. Oh, okay. No, no, not the, they're the the ones that grow up from the ground. They're not cattails, but they are. Mm-mm. Oh, bulrushes. I don't know. There's something, but anyway, yeah. I just had a few of those. But now I every year I put in the water hyacinths, which multiply on top. They kind of filter the water, and they they sit on the top. They give shade to the fish and a, a way to protect the fish. And you know that they have their little babies and things they can hide in there too. So, it's taken a lot of time, and also. I before I tried to do it myself and didn't do the maintenance in the spring and I just didn't have the equipment I didn't have the water pressure washer and things so sometimes you just have to have the right equipment so if you're going to do it really look into it before you go ahead and do it it's beautiful it's wonderful but you know that's so true and even with a smaller pond you know when uh, David started digging out all this soil and moving it around you know we didn't want to haul that out to Third Avenue we wanted to keep that good soil right because this was part of the prime part of my garden where we put this and I'd been improving this for years so we had a place back by our fence where we could just pile it up and as I have um, my the soil kind of settles down and and if I have low, low spots in the garden or if I need some more soil up at Good Council, if I have spots there, I'll just haul this up there. So that got reused too. But those things like that, and even, you know, you have to have a wheelbarrow. You have to have some way to move this around. Oh, yes. This isn't something that you can and do in a bucket. muscle power. Yeah, muscle power. A lot of muscle power, yeah. So the other thing that came out of that day for me was when we were waiting for uh, Kurt to come with the cameras, you and I were sitting out on my back porch, and I said to you, <laughs> Karen, this feels so good just to sit here. Just and I to, said, I don't know what this is like. I, yeah. I don't usually do this. No, and I, I don't take time to do this either. And I, I made a vow to myself right then and there. I am going to be thankful for the yard I have and give thanks for these plants and the all the flora and fauna that I have and the opportunity to sit and enjoy it. It isn't about getting out there and just work, work, work. But I like that though. I, it is It is energizing to us and that's maybe what we live for. But the other part about it is recognizing this is a good time to be quiet and to be grateful and just to 
put that as part of your life as your as your day's activity. I mean, yeah, to me, correct. it's like meditating. So that was great. And my friend Harriet called me, <laughs> and she invited me over today to come and see her garden and have coffee at two o'clock. And so I'm going to do that again. Um, normally, I. I I declined invitations because I have a schedule. I want to stay on my schedule and get these things done. But I said, this sounds absolutely great. So here's some important things. I have been working in the raspberry patch. You know, the um, the weeds are just opportunistic. I get a lot of those little trees that <clears throat> pop up in between oh. my raspberries, and I've got a – actually, some of them are too uh, – they get they grow fast in there, and they I have to do. actually prune them and cut them, uh, or <clears throat> instead of pulling them. Sometimes I was crawling around yesterday, <laughs> and pulling these out, and now I've decided that I need to get this. Is it called a, the Hora Hora knife? Hori Hori knife. Hori, H O R I H O R I, and it's a great knife. I have just I've bought it earlier this summer from uh, I got it out from Edenvale, and they had, when they had a, a mm-hmm. nice sale going on and. And I had read online the all these gardeners, you know, I get a lot of, of course, newsletters and things. People say, oh, you've got to have a hori hori. And I find like, okay, I'm going to get one. And, and it, it really has been wonderful. Everything from, from when I'm, you know, cutting a bunch of, whether like you said, it's the, the raspberries or the, the grasses or things, or if I'm digging weeds and things, it's just really strong and it's sharp and it's got two edges, a smooth edge and then kind of a scallop serrated, mm-hmm. I guess, edge that for different functions. I, I think that would be great because it's a two uh, a two-way tool because like when we're dividing iris in that and we mm-hmm. have to cut off the rhizomes, you could use the sharp edge if you're digging weeds and like in the in the raspberry patch, there's not a lot of space and you can't exactly get in there with a spade to do this. Mm-hmm. So I'm crawling around in there and I thought Karen had the solution. She's got that Japanese knife. I have to get the name for that because I could use that because I too have, uh, because we live by the ravine, I get so many weedy trees in in my raspberries and you have to get them out when they're small because they branch out really fast. And as I was doing that, I was also taking out the the spent uh, raspberry stalks. So yeah, so the old, the old ones, wood comes out. Yeah, because then the new <clears> wood <throat> comes up. You don't want to cut those. You won't have berries for next right, year. So the right. ones that are old, they basically you can tell because they're kind of hollow and they're brittle and they they snap off pretty yeah, pretty, yeah, pretty easily. So I've I've got that project started. And with any big project for myself, I like to only work at that a certain amount of time and use certain muscles. So crawling around on your hands and knees, you know, you only need to do that for a certain time and. And then, uh, then you go on to another project. So, so you're walking and you're upright. One of the things that I evaluated when I was up at Good Council in our vegetable garden was, and I thought uh, quite a bit about this. All these other gardeners had uh, insect damage and had problems with insects. I did not. But you know what? I had dill planted along the entire perimeter of my garden and some within the rows. So I that brought can help. Yes. And so I used to have ferns that that lined the fence of my property at home. Now I'm going to put dill in there. I think that's a better bet. Even, you know... Dill I, does need sun, though, so now in your shaded <clears throat> parts, it might be a little tough. Well, you know, we'll just have to see. And then, Oh, you're going to try and plant it in the shaded part, too? I, I'm Well, I'm going to just distribute it okay. and let it come up wherever it wants. If it's, you know, if it's the right location, the right soil, it'll come up. And it will reseed and reseed, and you'll have dill forever. Yeah, I know I will. <laughs> but you know what? If I 
take the heads off, you know, before they go to seed. True. That then I can control it that way. But it seems like that might be a, a something to add up there. And then also I'm going to add hollyhocks. I put in hollyhocks uh, just a couple of them uh, a few years ago, and they receded. And now I have some more. And it reminds me of my favorite aunt who was my godmother and she had these gorgeous hollyhocks now do you have the really tall ones because they get really tall yes they do uh, they're um they're above the fence line so wow. I, I bet they're five and a half feet tall. see i've nev- never had hollyhocks except this year i saw it at the garden center and i got a dwarf one so it probably gets about three feet tall mm. or something and the, i just had a, a nice space for it and it it had bloomed earlier this summer and then i thought it was done but the blooms are back again i'm so excited yeah. it's rebloomed you know what okay so what mine are uh, biannual so they come up one year they bloom the next year and then they die but this silly hollyhock made a big clump so it had the tall bloom and now it is uh, it has regrown and it's about 36 inches high mm-hmm. and it has blooms on there. Yeah, see mine I was bloom too. Very I was surprised. surprised. Yeah. Uh, so uh, hollyhocks. I'm I'm going to put some of those along the fence line too. And I think sometimes we get carried away with one thing working well and you just continue with that. Well, that is true because the tried and the true but and we do that, and then we make the mistake of things like we learned this year that we aren't going to do again, too. Yes, well, that is absolutely so true. And my um, my roses continue to get Japanese beetles. So if they're supposed to be going into the soil, laying their eggs, and then dying, um, they haven't done that yet in my yard. I've got a <clears throat> lot fewer. The, of the the beetles than I had. Sure. I still have my little trap out there that has pheromones, and they basically smell it, and they go and they, um, you know, fall in, and they can't get back out. It's like a bag thing. But you know, I think because of the two years of the Japanese beetle decimating my little, it's a ornamental crab tree. I don't think it's going to come back again because yeah. it's just too much damage. No matter how I tried so hard, I put a net on it, and I'm just really, it really makes me sad. Yes. And and also the green beans. They just decimated those, and as you know, they loved our hearty hibiscus. And you had problems with your roses, and yeah, they didn't and, bother and mine you know too much. what? The, the with so far as the hibiscus go, they were much less active there this year than than they were previous years. So I had very few, and that was up front. But oh. the roses that are up there by them, they're taking the brunt of it. Now that's interesting because my. Um, hibiscus is in my backyard, and that got a lot, but my roses in the front did not. So uh, maybe it's kind of where yeah. location, location, <clears throat> location, as they the, say. Well, it seems like on the roses that uh, because there's so many petals, they go in there in they groups. Hide. One night oh. I took yeah. 13 uh, Japanese beetles off from one rose, and these aren't big roses. The, the blooms aren't really big on them, but there's a layer of petals. And they and hide between. They do. And and I had to take the whole bloom off in one hand like this and submerge it in the water and hold it in there until they drowned it. I've got my drowning fields as well, a couple buckets with a little soap in them, and every time I see them, I walk by, plop, 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 goodbye. You know, very quickly, I would like to just say uh, thank you to the city of Mankato, the Parks Department, for the lovely plantings that we have on Riverfront Drive and along uh, both on the boulevards and in the uh, uh, planters that they have, the colors, the textures, and and they were, they continue. 
continue to water them, they look as healthy now as they did a month ago. Have you noticed a lot of people, though, with, <coughs> with container plants, they look so sad, and mm. especially with petunias. And, and why that happens is because you probably haven't continued to give them fertilizer. And yeah. I, all summer long, will put a little weakened, diluted, uh, soluble solution uh, in my water when I water them. And so they... You know, because they well, if you didn't have food, you'd look pretty bad too. Well, sure. You so would. that's part of it, and also the variety. I've got those Vista Supertunias. I don't. Oh, you didn't come to my house. You didn't see, but they're still bright pink, and people say, "Oh, your yard looks so beautiful," because they're still blooming. Well, I have to make a point of visiting. Yeah. So if if your neighbors uh, see someone wandering around your yard, it's uh, someone who's <laughs> just a plant lover. And or a tell, robber. Yeah, that's okay. Just tell them, yes, yes. But so the city has done a great job with that. Yes. And, you know, if you look at the things that are planted um, along the boulevards or along the streets themselves, that is a hard area to grow things in, and they've done just a great job. And you do see a lot of tree loss, though, a lot of times when you get these narrow boulevards because yes. I mean you think about how their roots have concrete or tar or something on each side and it's a tough place to grow so some yeah, and trees, all that salt right and all that salt so and I've been speaking of salt uh, when in the winter because you have the same thing when the plow goes by they yes. plow it up and all that snow with the salt comes in so that I have so many weeds I've been actually hand picking all those I think is it the Japanese knot um, what's it called the uh, oh yeah that's just the, that's the knotweed right? knotweed yeah and I oh my gosh that stuff just comes up like you wouldn't believe in the smallest crack it comes well, through but if you don't get it before it recedes you're going to have i read this oh i learned this at the state fair at the um, master gardener booth up there for every weed you don't pick this year you'll be weeding from that one for the next three years oh so think about that if you leave yeah. one weed you've got three more years of at picking up after that one and then of course those spread and it's just a nightmare. Sort of like you said with Japanese beetles. For every one you see, they lay 60 eggs. So you get rid of one, you're getting rid of 60. Yes, yes. It, it does encourage you, doesn't it? So it's worthwhile. Yes, my, my neighbor, Mrs. J, was over last night, and she inspected the roses. And she said, didn't you pick the bugs today? And I said, yeah. <laughs> that if you do this now, this will be the fifth time they've been visited by us picking things off. But, yeah. Uh, everybody has the same problem, it seems like, with these Japanese beetles here in Mankato. You know, out in the neighboring towns, they don't have the problem. I don't know why that is. Well, you know, it took a while for them to get here, too. And I don't know if you heard the latest sad news that the Emerald Ash Borer uh, is now in... Stillwater. Uh, St- uh, Steel County, Owatonna. Steel County. Oh, yeah. that's, that's yeah. right. Yeah, Yeah, right. and there, so, I mean, it's getting closer and closer, and... Chances are there probably are some. We just haven't seen them yet. And I think, I don't know if I read it was on the city site, but one in every six trees in, in the Mankato area will probably, yes. is going to be at risk of yeah. being lost. Yeah. And yeah. there's a lot of ash trees. You go down some boulevards around here that they're all ash. Yeah, exactly. Balzerzak um, um, is just lined with ash trees. That was such a poor idea. We need diversity. Well, so is monks, if you go down monks, too. Yeah, we need diversity in our landscape and if you don't have that diversity, something like the strikes. I remember when we had beautiful ash, our ash trees, elm trees in oh, Mankato. Yes. They were just fantastic, majestic trees, and they just went one by one. It was just, it was sad. But you know what happened? 
it opened up and you could see these houses for about the first time. Right. And and <laughs> you never noticed before. No, you didn't. You really didn't. And people started um, their lawns looked better, their landscaping looked better because there was getting more they were getting more light in there. So there are opportunities too, but you don't want to lose a tree, that's for sure. And I've seen the debate and they had this up at the state fair tour, they were talking about should you replace that ash tree? Should you cut it down now and cut your losses? Mm. And you can treat them. So if you've got a big one, let's say it's your maybe the only source of shade in your yard, it's a big established tree. I think it's like 100 to $200 per year that you can use to treat these, but you have to continue to treat them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be successful, but there is something you can use. But I know we've got a smaller one in our yard and we we're debating, should we just cut that down before we have to cut it down when it gets bigger, if it's going to mm-hmm. get infected, because of course it costs a lot more money to cut a bigger one yeah, down. Yeah, you know what I thought was, and with the um, like the American chestnut, when they were all dying, we had pockets where the American chestnut was saved, and if we would go oh. ahead and cut things down because you know they're going to die anyway, we never get these trees that survive and then this becomes the new breeding stock now we've got something that has adapted and that's what we need is is to do that so maybe yours will be one with uh you know with the care that it's getting it isn't stressed it's, it gets watered it, you're not compacting the soil you're not injuring it with a lawnmower i'm not doing anything with it barb <laughs> yeah, but it's 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 uh things conditions are right for it to grow there although you know i have lost a number of trees in my front yard which to me tells me that the conditions aren't very good in the front yard. There might be a lot of clay. I bet it's compaction because I've been watching as they've been putting in a couple new houses in my neighborhood Mm -hmm. because, you know, we've still got undeveloped places where I live. And what they do is they scrape up all that beautiful black soil down to this. I mean, it's all hard, hard clay underneath. And then they come back and then they put maybe four to six inches on top and then they lay the sod on top. And you think about if a tree's roots have to go down, they hit that hard pan, which is called... Then they just have to go straight out, which means they have really shallow roots. Yeah, right, right. And then a lot of times they start circling too, yes. and kill themselves Strangle off themselves. that way. Yeah, right. So yeah, it's it's a problem. But I wouldn't cut down a tree uh, just because I thought it might get a disease. I would just wait. Oh, and really? See. So you think we should? I'd I'd hope that this would be the one that would make it. Yeah, right. Well, I give guess. it love. <laughs> Talk to it. Hug it. Hug <clears throat> it. Water it. Are we known as tree huggers yet, Barb? I'm afraid so. And <laughs> fanatical pruners. <clears throat> we, we just prune and prune and prune, you know? You know, before uh, they came out to shoot my pond, because mm-hmm. I knew the video people were coming, I actually took my hoary hoary knife and I chopped down all of my salvia. Oh, did you? Well, okay. it looks terrible yeah, because yeah. it's it's at the end of its life. I mean, some of it has started to rebloom, and, and I should have actually cut a lot of the ones that were kind of the going spikes, to seed yeah, earlier. Yeah. But they, it just looks so messy. So then what I did is I, I cleared it all. It'll come back. That stuff is so hardy. Salvia, oh my gosh. Yeah. But then I took a couple of my big pots that I had with beautiful container plants. So it looked a lot nicer. <laughs> this is why we love containers because we can move them around. They just, they go into a spot that was absolutely empty. And now you see that bright color out there and you think, yep, couldn't have done better if I'd have grown it in the ground. That's right. So, yeah, there's little secrets, tricks of the trade. And if you ever have questions for me or Barb, you can text them to us or you can call. Barb's here on sure. Fridays, 507-389-5678. That's 507-389-5678. She'd love to chat with you. And if 
you have any garden concerns and we can share with others. Yeah, exactly. So I'm here now, and uh, even though I'm losing my voice, (laughs) I will try and muddle through for you. Okay, thanks, Barb. Thanks, Karen. Always great to chat with Barb and hear what's going on in her garden. It is 10 o'clock, and you're listening to a Minnesota Morning on the Maverick at KMSU Radio 89.7 FM in Mankato and KMSK 91.3 FM in Austin, online at KMSU.org. Broadcasting from the campus of Minnesota State University, Mankato, big ideas and real world thinking. Well, it is the, is it the second or third week here at Minnesota State University that we have been in operation.